didn't create us out of a need. He created us out of the overflow of the joy and the love that the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son have one towards another. And as a result of that, out of that love and that overflowing joy, you and I came. And He wanted to share His glory. So we weren't created because of anything, but He created us because of it. I mean, it's almost like they were just so enjoying one another's presence and everything that out of this, the birth of mankind. And so we weren't an accident by any Well, I'm going to do something tonight if I can. And what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the, the eschatology. And eschatology basically means the doctrinal things to come or the future things to come. And as we do this, and I, you know, I'm going to, this is, that I, what I can do tonight, I can give you a structure. The Bible says that the, the steps of a godly man are ordered. And I also noticed that also in the book of in the book of Luke, when Luke decided that and God was moving him to write this, he says this, he says, Inasmuch as many have taken hand to send in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word of liberty, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you, and listen to this, an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know with certainty of those things in which you were instructed. So he, he was instructed, it seemed good to him that he would write a perfect understanding, and he had a perfect understanding of things in the very first, to write to you an orderly account. And since God is a God of order, he doesn't do things out of, uh, out of just haphazardness or mankind and, and just kind. He does it because he is not a God of confusion. And so tonight I want to do some things, if I can, with you. We're going to get into the events that will happen before and during this tribulation period. Now tonight we're just going to cover those things, and we're going to try to make this as simple as we possibly can. I can't do anything for a time. I've got to do it simple. But, you know, as Paul one time said this, he said that we would not be taken away from the simplicity that's in Jesus Christ. And so the simpler we can make it, I think, the better off uh, that we are. But before we do that, Brandon, if you could, and, I, and when I do go, I'm not going to just give one, I'll say in one area when I have to do something as a description. But here's what I want to do tonight. I want to start off with that, that, uh, that diagram that you put up there. And let me just, so here's what I want to cover just a little bit. Uh, and, and I'm trying to get this in your head so that you will know, okay, these are the events that are happening as the Lord gets ready to come back to us. Yeah, here we go. Uh, I can't understand. All right. So, so what we got here then, Matthew 24, Luke 21, uh, in the book.
book of, uh, of uh, Mark, uh, is Mark what, uh, 13, I think, Mark 13, then we're not, you know, in all those signs, earthquake, war, rumors of war, uh, you know, and all those things, we're not looking for signs anymore. Why? Because he's told us to be ready. We're looking for the rapture. But if you'll notice something here, we have a gap here between here and here, between the rapture and the And I've asked, I've asked other men that have been in here with us as far as uh, about this, and they seem to feel the same way, that there's going to be a time period, once the rapture takes place, there's going to be a time period in between there to the time of the rapture. One of the, and, and some people, no one, you know, for instance, if you go to over to the book of Psalms, and you go to Psalms 83, and Psalms 80, uh, in Psalms 83, it talks about that all these countries, and it talks about starting with verse 6, the tents of Mo, uh, Edom, and the Ishmaelites, Moab, and Hagarites, and all this. Well, all those, those ancient names, you can take all those things, and you can put them into the names of, for instance, uh, Edom is South Jordan and Palestine. Is Ishmaelite, Saudi Arabia. Moab is Central Jordan. And we could go on, and that's not my point to go through all those things. But there are 13 countries all around there. They're all around touching Israel, since you said the greatest sin. And those 13 countries, Psalms 83, it talks, it talks a little bit about that. the uh, Psalms 83 war. And some people say, well, when will that happen? Well, we don't really know when it happens. But all these 13 countries will come against Israel in this time. Now, what, and the reason we got this gap up there is because if the Antichrist comes, who would be the people that would stand against the Antichrist? Number one would be who? Christians. We would stand against what the Antichrist is trying to do. So it would be against him. Number two, who would be the other group of people that would stand against him? The coming against the Jews, but who would, who would be the other people that would stand against him would be the Muslims. So, in this war, if it happens, these 13 countries would come against and they're decimated and take care of, the Muslims are taken care of because all these, it's about Muslim countries. And if it did that, then it takes them out of the way. We're gone because of the rapture, which ushers in the Antichrist being able to come in and really begin to set up his, his throne or his kingdom. Alright, so now, what I want to do here is we're going to go back. Let's go back here to the service. So, if I can, so events that will happen before the, the uh, and during, after the tribulation period. And so then we're talking about tonight. We're not going to do all this. We're going to only talk about those events immediately before the seven-year period called the tribulation. Okay. What are the events immediately before the seven-year uh, seven-year tribulation that we're looking at now? So here's what I want to say to you. One of the things I really believe that's going to ha- has to happen in that way, there has to be a great apostasy. We should not think it's strange that people no longer the love of the Bible tells us that the uh, the love of the love of many will wax cold. Why will it wax cold? Because of lawlessness. We see this happening right now. Even even this past week, or even tonight, there is still, even though Trump is out and and uh, Biden is in, there's still riots going on right now. Where where 
world of lawlessness happening. And so uh, one of the things that's going to happen, and let me give you some scriptures, and so we go back to that other sheet that I gave you on all those pictures. They're going to be falling away from the truth. And what it depicts, it depicts a determined, willful defection from the faith or an abandonment of the faith. Well, look what it says in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. This is just one of them. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Okay. It says, Now the Spirit expressly says, In the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Verse 2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Uh, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That's what's happening right now. The word is really being attacked, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teaching. That's what some things are happening, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside un, unto fables. Um, now go to First Timothy. Go to First Timothy four, uh, four one through two. Did I give you that one? Okay, it says now. Okay, we did. We read one and two. Okay, and then we already went to Second Timothy four, three and four. So we read those. All right, now look, look at Second Timothy three, one through eight. But know this: that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than uh, lovers, lovers of God, um, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away, verse 6, for in this sort there are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded with downward sin, led away by various lusts, uh, and we always learn we're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, verse 8, now as Janice and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also we should not, you know, and there's even a verse in Scripture uh, that Peter tells us simply that we should not be surprised at all these things that are happening to us. And that's what I'm saying to you. You read this, this is our day. This is like picking up the newspaper and reading the effects and the things that are happening all around us. Now look at look at 2 Thessalonians 2.3. Uh, it says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless a falling away comes first and a man of sin is revealed and the sin of perdition. And then we can also go back to the uh, Matthew 24, verses 9 through 12. It says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated in all nations for my name's sake. Uh, and then many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. And many, many false prophets will rise and deceive many. All I'm saying, and this is probably more in the tribulation time than the other time, all I am saying is this, is that we are right now experiencing a moral implosion in this country. And 83% of U.S. citizens say they are concerned about the moral condition of this country. Now, you don't hear that on the news, but this is what's happening. I'm telling you all these things so that we shouldn't be shocked or we shouldn't be surprised. God is sovereign. God the Lord has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down. Psalm 66, verse 7. He rules by his power.
rebellious, exalted himself. Uh, then he also says in Psalms 93, 1, The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. His Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely his world is established so that I cannot be moved. So we know these things are happening, but with, along with that, we've got to come to the place that we believe. Remember that verse of Scripture that I gave you this morning that was found over in, uh, in the book of Psalms that says, I would have almost fainted and have not believed to see the hand of the Lord in the land of Israel. That's what we've got to believe. We've got to believe. You're going to see all this stuff, and we're seeing it right now. We're seeing this moral implosion that's taking place. And so the Lord blesses nations that submit to Him. And, and bring down, He brings down those nations that rebel against Him. People are asking this question. They ask, are we going to see another national revival? I hope and pray that we do. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. I, I've got my doubts whether we're going to see that. We're so far gone. Uh, Job 12, verse 23. Look what it means. He makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and he, and he guides them. Uh, you know, so what could happen here in the United States? Well, you think about it. The United States could, could succumb to some kind of nuclear detonation. Uh, like what we, when 9-11 happened, that shut us down. The stock market, everything else for a long time. We had some kind of nuclear uh, detonation on our soil. Or here's another thing that you don't hear a lot about, but they're talking about quite a bit from the standpoint that it could possibly happen, and that's called an EMP, electromagnetic pulse. If that takes place, then all communications, think about communications, electricity, the grid, all these other things could just go by the way. And so uh, we have an over-dependence on oil, one of the first things that Biden's doing, that was one of the things that Trump was trying to do to last the pipeline, and now all of a sudden he shut that down. Uh, so, so what's the first thing that's going to happen? Well, let's, let's go back over here, if we can, and, and go back to this thing here. Uh, and so the first thing that we're looking for right now is a rapture of the church. That's what we're looking for. So what are we sitting and waiting for? We're waiting for the rapture of the church to come. Now, listen to what it says. John 14, 3, Jesus has told us a very simple verse. Somebody says, well, how do you really know that? Well, here it is. John 14, 3 just simply says, uh, it, it, it just, well, I've got that up there. I don't know why I'm doing this. But John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, that's what's happening in heaven right now. Heaven is very busy. As God prepares it, you say, well, when is he going to come? And why is it that Jesus said that nobody knows the exact hour of time that he's coming? And then he said this, not even the Son. Why would the Son not know? Because it is not the Son's responsibility to determine when the bridal chamber is ready. You look at the Jewish wedding, uh, the, 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 the bride and the groom came together with their father. They signed a thing called a ketubah. That, the Bible is our ketubah. It's a contract between the two families that they're going to marry. And at that point, they are married, even though they're just they're not like us over here that we get engaged and go, oh, we're not really married. No, they're married when that happens. And the bride goes away. And this is the whole thing. You read, read John 14. That's a whole Jewish wedding. Uh, you know, if I go away, I will come again. And the bride, the bridemaids are there trying to get the bride, keep looking for the for the bride to come. The bride, this is why it talks about those that were foolish 
having the oil there, but we weren't ready when the Lord came. He wants us to be ready, waiting. It's our job as the church to keep everybody ready and waiting until as He gets ready to come. And so, to keep reminding one another, that's why it's so important that we're in church and things. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And so when He comes, finally, when the bridal chamber is ready, the Father looks over to the Son, who has, the Father has a responsibility, He says, go get the bride. And when Jesus goes down through, or when the, bride, the, the groom goes to get his bride, he comes maybe in the middle of the night, he comes with a shout, he comes with a voice, he comes with a trump, and he gathers his bride up and takes her out. That's what he does. That's exactly what Jesus does. He says, I will go and prepare a place for you, and I will come again. I don't care who, I don't care what theological professor says that's not going to happen or anything else, it doesn't. Jesus said this. Just like, why do I believe this book? Because Jesus said it's true. That's what he said. He said it's true. I don't need anybody else to tell me anything else. If my Lord said it's true, if he said he's coming again, he's coming again. And receive you to myself. Isn't that great? Isn't it great that he's not going to send Moses or he's not going to send Elijah or he's not going to send somebody else to get you? No, how special you are to the Lord that he's going to send himself, he's coming himself to get you. And that I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. That's what he's saying. So man, what a, what a great time that's going to be. So the, what we're looking for right now we're looking for the rapture. Now let me give you some other verses here on this. First, first Corinthians 15 51, 16. Behold I tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall be changed. In a, he says, In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, what happens? What does it mean we shall be changed? Well, here's what it tells us also in the same chapter. It says that this mortal must put what on? Immortality. What does that mean? You're going to live forever. You already have eternal life. Because what is eternal life? Tell me what eternal life is. Eternal life is Jesus. The gospel, grace, everything is about Jesus. What's about? And so, that this mortal must put on immortality, and this corruptible body that we're in that still sins must put on incorruption. That's going to happen. Also tells me over in the, also tells me over in the book of First John, uh, chapter I think it's chapter is it chapter two. I'm not sure uh, what it is. I didn't give you this one up there. The chapter here. Uh, uh, it is verse 2 of uh, chapter, is it chapter 2? Uh, no, it's chapter 3. Uh, it, listen to this. this. This is chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are the children of God. We're the children of God right now. And it, is, it, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. You know? We, we don't, I mean, those bodies that we're going to have are going to be fabulous. Can you imagine having a body that you can go as fast as you want to go and never I mean, can you imagine being able to eat anything you want to and never gain a pound? I mean, I mean, think about it. those bodies are going to be fabulous. We're we're not going to we're going to be able to transcend between this earth and heaven. We're going to go back and forth, back and forth. We're going to be, if we want to go to the constellations out in, in the universe, we're going to be able to go there. 
it's going to be fabulous. But listen to this. Behold, I, 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 uh, it says this, Beloved, now we are the children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, when Jesus, we see Jesus, listen to this, we shall be like Him. We're going to have a body like Him. Uh, for He shall see Him as He is. Now think about it. We're going to see Him as He is. What does the Bible say about that? It says that nobody has ever looked on the face of God and done what? Live. But in that day, because we got to, we put on immortality and we put on incorruptible, we're going to be able to look in the face of God. We're going to be able to see Him as He is. Now, so, so, uh, did I read this again? In a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And the rapture of on the way up will be changed. Those people in grace come down to grace. Uh, you know, the Bible says, so, so we not, we're not going to perceive them. Uh, you know, because they're going to be No, but so that when they go up, you know, we're, we're right behind somebody. You know, and so we shall be changed. Not only that, but look what it says, and we can read this in this portion. This is probably the main verse as far as, uh, as, far as uh, the, the rapture of the church. It's what it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, will come from God, and the dead Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the, in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord, and therefore comfort one another with these words. I really believe that the greatest verse that tells me about the, the rapture of the church, the pre-trib, the, 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 pre, uh, the pre-trib millennial reign of Jesus Christ that I believe in and why am I pre-trib and why I believe this and I'll go before the tribulation. I'm not going through the tribulation. Why do I believe it? Look at verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. If I, re- if I really truly believe, if I was an all-millennialist and I believed I had to go through the tribulation and that misery of the time, there and the pain and the agony and see the things that are going to happen. One fourth of the earth is going to die. One third of the earth is going to die. All the pain and agony that go, that goes that's going to be going on there. How in the world could I read verse 18? Boy, they're therefore comfort one another with these words. But it is a comfort to me the fact that we're not going to be here. That we're taken out of here. Man, what a comfort that is to know we're looking for Jesus now. So let me go on. And then also, I want you to look at Revelation uh, chapter uh, well, okay, Revelation 16. Look what it says. Because listen to this. Because you have kept my commandments to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on earth. What does that say? We're not going to be here. I give you the other verses. Now, but also here's the other thing. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 2, 3 of the book of Revelation. I know you know this, but I'm just bringing it to your attention. All those three, all those three chapters in, in, those, in, those, in the book of Revelation, the church is mentioned 19 times in those, verses, in those chapters. 19 times in those chapters. We get to chapter 4, and chapter 4, from all the way into chapter 20, almost into 21, the church is never mentioned. Was it not mentioned? Chapters 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, the seven churches 
that the church is there, the church is mixed. But when we get to chapter 4, why are we not in the church? Look what it says. John says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things that must take place in the end. What? Come up here. What does that mean? God saying, says, Come up here. People are trying to disprove it all the time. But, uh, so, Revelation, the book of Revelation, see, if you don't believe in the pre-trib, uh, thousand-year reign of Christ, then the only way you can survive in the book of Revelation is you've got to take it and make it totally symbolic, everything. And, and, I, and that's, you see, those people in all millennialism, they would tell you simply that we are right now in the tribulation. Mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. What they're talking about? They're talking about the Holy Spirit. But it's the Holy Spirit working through the church. I used to think, okay, how? Now, don't you used to wonder, okay, if the Holy Spirit is taken out of this, then how in the world, uh, how in the world uh, can people be, because there will be some people that will be saved. I don't, I don't know, and I think the majority of people are going to be saved going to be Jewish people. And, you know, what, so, so here's the thing. What is the purpose of the tribulation? People say, well, now, I'll tell you what the purpose of the tribulation is. It's to purify the church's soul. Listen, you cannot be any more pure than you are right now in the grace of the Amen? And we may have done, uh, all of us here may have sinned, may have done some things that, that uh, we shouldn't have done or whatever else.
the church. It's the Holy Spirit working through the church to bring people to Him. But it also, think about this, for God's people are, receive and enjoy the system. But there's, you live in a neighborhood, and all of a sudden you live in this neighborhood, and, and people start moving in and coming in with you, and, and maybe you got drugs down here and this kind of Your whole neighborhood's full of them. Think about this. When the restrainer is taken out of the way, when the rapture takes place and the church goes out of here, it's, it's going to be an implosion. And what I mean by that, here's what I mean by it. I mean, in World War II, when the, we went to Europe and we dropped bomb after bomb after bomb on, on Germany and other places over there, it left potholes. We didn't know what we had when we dropped the atomic bomb. When we dropped the bomb, an atomic bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, what it did, it did this. It came in and pushed all those molecules and everything out and did what it did. It came in just rushing. And, and rather than potholes, Look like somebody's taking a bulldozer and spread off all the land. That's what's going to take place when the train is taken out of the way. Evil's going to break out. And there's going to be murder. There's going to be killing. You're not going to be safe anywhere. It's going to be one of the most terrible times in the history, history of mankind. So here we go. So it says to us,
because God is going to judge our works at that time. Not to destroy us. And let's just read this. Listen to what this says. This is his first time. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14, 15. Listen, listen. Anyone's work which he has built on endures. Now, what, 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 are we, what are we building on? We're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and nobody else can build us. There's no other foundation we can build on other than the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what it If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. And what are those rewards? I don't know. The Bible talks about five crowns. Maybe it's the ability to appreciate and praise God to purchase a certain way or something. I don't know what those rewards are. God knows, and I, I guarantee they're going to be fantastic. But if anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. That's what it says. So the things we do. Now, uh, if I go back, can you put, let's, let's do this. Let's put up the, because I want you to see this, 1 Corinthians 13, because this is our life. If, you, if, if we put our life under a microscope and we started looking at it, I want you to see this. And, uh, um, what is it? Yeah. It should be, it should be 13. It should be verse 13. Uh, no, not 13. What's it? First, yeah, first, first, uh, first Corinthians 3, 13. Sorry. Let's go with John 19. All right, very good. But, uh, uh, go back to 12.
we were we were rich because I watched one night as my dad took out ten one hundred dollar bills and laid them out there in front of me. And she she asked me, said, Daddy, so what are you doing? Said, we're getting ready to church. We're getting ready to church. Said that night. Said that night. Said uh, we were in church together when they asked where everybody came. And said he brought up one of the leading figures up in there and said he came forward and he says, I'm going to give a thousand dollars to the church. Said, oh yeah, okay, buddy. And says when the offering plate came around. I watched my daddy take that thousand dollars and fold it up and drop it in the offering plate. And then he looked at me and I and I looked at him like, Don't you want to and he said, Then you're free. You see, Jesus told us that if you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over the many. He told us that what's done in secret, many times he's going to reward us what? Openly. That's not a dream. And so anyone's work learned, he suffered loss. But I want you to notice this. Because why? We're saved by grace. But he himself will be saved. It's not going to save you. Yes, he goes through by fire, so let's get to now. Uh, and so we can go back here. I can go back to the point you can do this. Uh, so if anyone's work which he has built on it, there's he'll receive rewards. Anyone's work is burning and suffer loss. But he himself will be saved. Those things will be fine. So give busy. You know, give busy for the Lord, all right? Now, what? Therefore, listen to this. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsel of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. Don't, don't, be, don't be surprised. Don't judge something before it happens. And, and that person that looks like, boy, they're just doing everything, the Lord, watch it. You know, watch it sometimes. Now, there's another verse here, and that other verse, ah, baby, come on. Yeah. Therefore, did I read that? Did I read Second? Did I read Second Corinthians? No, no, I didn't put it on. Okay, I messed up there. Read Second Second Corinthians five ten. Second Corinthians five ten. Okay, for we all must appear. This is a, this is a verse I'm looking for. The judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So, so what do we got? We're looking for the rapture. That's the first thing. The second thing is the restrainer is removed. The judgment seat of Christ. We're in heaven. During that time, while while everybody else, there's things going on over here, uh, the tribulation and terrible times, we're in heaven with the Lord and rejoicing with Him. Uh, there's another thing that happens, and really I didn't bring this up, but also the Lamb's Supper. What a great what a great thing that when the bride is presented to Jesus. You see, you got to understand that you're God's gift to Jesus. Sometimes I think we you got to be God up there. Everybody thinks, okay, you know, that's your you're God's gift. So after that, here's, here's what happens. What's happening on earth? Well, here we go. The, uh, the Antichrist rises to power over the Roman Federation. Now, let, now let me just share some things here with you if I can. And uh, uh, because he rises to power over the Roman Confederation. And one of the things that we will say about the, you know, everybody wants to know, everybody thinks they want to pick out somebody they don't like, why don't they? I think he's an some people have said, tried to say that the Antichrist would be a Jew. And the answer to that is no. Why? Uh, some have tried to say he would come from the tribe of Dan. And the reason, is, you know, he was, Dan was one of the twelve tribes. And the reason they feel that Dan could possibly come because Dan fell into hypocrisy and idolatry. And he set up a graven image which is found 
eternal man set up for himself the carved image and Jonathan and the son of Gershon, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the Lord. And so they say because of that, then uh, uh, that they feel like they possibly could, they could come from that. But now, listen to what it says in, in Daniel 5, 6. It says, Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened, and his knees knocked against each other. And this is talking about uh, Nebuchadnezzar. But the disciples, did I call it the disciples of the And so the name, such as the prince of the tribe, but many have felt that the Antichrist would come from the tribe of Dan because Dan is left out in the list in Revelation 7. That's why that's where they get that from. Revelation 7 is list all the all the uh, tribes of Israel and Dan's left out. However, in Revelation 13:1, then I stood at the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his ten horns ten horns, and on his head blasphemy the same. What is this? This is the rise of the Antichrist. But notice where he's rising from. Where's he rising from? The sea. He's rising from the sea. Also look at 17, 15. Then he said to me, The waters which you saw were the harlot said, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Well, who's this talking about? Uh, he rises out of the sea, and the scriptural metaphor for the, uh, for the sea is Gentile nations. So I don't believe he's going to be a Jew. I believe he's going to be a, a Gentile. But now some people, and, and if you go back to the book of uh, uh, Daniel, and, and Antichrist, Epiphanes himself was a Gentile, and he was a type of Antichrist. And you read that over in the book of Daniel. But he was the one that sacrificed a pig on the altar of the, of, of the Jews. Now, um, but it's not likely to be a Jew. It's not a Jew. Besides, he, he will persecute, the Antichrist will persecute the Jews. Look at Revelation 12, 6. Uh, it says, Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared for God, and they shall feed her. And there was 1,260 days. Right out of 1,260. And now when the dragon saw that he'd been cast in the earth, he persecuted the woman. What's that? The church or the, uh, the religion who gave birth to the male, male child. Okay, this is the Jews. So, but the woman was given two wings and great eagles, and that she might fly into the wilderness for a plow house where she was nourished from time to time to half time in the presence of the sun. Then some people say, well, if he's not a Jew, then he possibly could be a Muslim. The problem with that is Daniel 11, uh, 36. Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath is accomplished for what has been determined shall be done. He will exalt himself against and above every god. Well, as a result of that, that's not talking about a Muslim. Because in 2 Thessalonians 2 4, he, he opposes and exalts himself against every so called God or object of worship who proclaims that he's God. So this goes against the Muslim creed. So we don't believe he's a Muslim. One God named Allah and, and Muhammad is, is their prophet, so no, no true Muslim would go against them. So the Muslim Antichrist would be viewed as an infidel. Also, why would a, a Muslim Antichrist make a treaty with Israel? That would be weird. 
go according to Daniel, chapter Daniel, chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Uh, they, uh, uh, they answered again and said, Let the chief king tell his servants again. And he will give the interpretation. But this is actually, I think, wrong. That's actually chapter 7 and chapter 8. But in chapter 7, you know, we, we and I'm going to hurry up here. Chapter 7, verse 3 through 8, he talks about four beasts in that kingdom. And then when he comes, he comes down to verse 3. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, each different from the other. Go on to verse 4. Yeah, verse 3. And the first was like a lion, had angels wings, watched his wings were plucked off and lifted up his earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Uh, and suddenly another beast, the second like a bear, was raised up one side and had three ribs in the mouth. Many people they said thus arise and devour Flesh, flesh, go on. If after this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had the back full of uh, wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it, go on. Uh, and after this I saw a night vision, behold, a fierce beast, dreadful and terrible, exceeding strong, it had two strong teeth, it was devoured, breaking in pieces, and trampling residue. If it speaks, it was different from all the beasts that were before it, it had ten horns, verse 8. And I considered the horns, but there was another horn.
Now listen, let me say this to you. If you can tell me who the Antichrist is, that means you got left behind. You're not going to know. Then the judgment seat of Christ is going to take place, the Lamb's Supper after that. Antichrist rises to power, and at the beginning of the seven-year period, Antichrist is coming to rule and makes a covenant with Israel. All those things got to take place before any of this other stuff happens. Okay? So, uh, I'm, I'm just doing all this because I want you to know this stuff. And if you'll take that little handout and you'll go through and 